Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to Wandering Into Wellness. How's it going? Lydia and Finn, as usual. And today, we have a very special guest with us, Damien Wilds, who is the first man to prone paddleboard the Irish Sea. <laughs> big deal for those of you who don't know about it big deal whereas we're going to get into yeah super deal and it's so inspiring to hear stories like this I mean when I came across to you at that Greystones talk the other day I was just amazed to hear of the feat and I think I probably couldn't have even understood what a feat it was had I not heard you talking about it I didn't think I'd even seen someone from a paddleboard other than just like being on their just, paddleboard and paddling for a second. It's like they'd lost their paddle yes. or like they were surfing and they had to get past to the, well, past the right thing. That's the only reason. Yes. That was, so this, here we go, we're new to it. So it's really exciting. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. No worries. Thanks very much for having me. Pleasure. So let's start at the beginning. When did you first encounter prone paddleboards as a thing? In Hawaii, I was there for three months on my J1. And while I was over there, I was... Um, I was working in a surf school and I was kind of in, um, hanging out with a bunch of kind of Polynesian Hawaiians um, hanging out with them and, and seeing what they were doing and what activities they were engaged in and stand-up paddleboarding and prone paddleboarding would have been quite big um, and there's a race out there called Malakai to Oahu um, which is it's called a downwind run which means wind behind you as well behind you pushing you in, in a direction and it's 50 kilometers across a place called the Kiibi Channel or the Channel of Bones, and it doesn't sound great. It doesn't, it doesn't well. Unfortunately, it's, it is called that for that reason. Um, oh, it's it's a really treacherous stretch of water, um, and I got in my head that it was something that I'd like to pursue at some stage. And between doing that and two or three years ago, I got caught up in um, pursuing open water swimming. So anything between 1500 meters and 10 Ks. Um, I did a few Ironmen, uh, mainly because my brother and dad were doing the first one and someone mentioned to me that they reckon I couldn't do it. So <laughs> I, 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 I didn't take too kindly to that. Um, and then rolling on from that then, I just loved being in the water and my, my first child was on the way and even though I've done Ironman, I don't really like cycling or running. I just like the feeling of being fit and kind of putting yourself in a pit and trying to work your way out of it. So I'd never seen prone paddleboards in Ireland, um, but because of my surfing background, my swimming background, it just seemed like a good way of kind of marrying the two together, purchase it. And I think, funny enough, I think it arrived within a day or two of my, of, uh, my son being born. So my wife was slagging me that she didn't know which I was more excited about. <laughs> I didn't think it was entirely fair, but uh, I was excited about it, arriving. So that, that, that was how I started. Okay, and so and, and why would people do prone paddleboarding as opposed to like, stand, like is, it, is it the distances you can travel or the places you can, you can, you can go that you can't go else with other, other most? Like what is it, the attraction to that? Um, for me, um, and I, I, I think sometimes this sounds all cringy, I just like that contact with the water prone paddling um you're kind of in stress positions for a lot of it um because you're kind of craning your neck and your chest back up off the board um but i just for me i just liked kind of like that being having my hands in the water and just that crossover between surfing and swimming it was just a good kind of marriage between the two okay and so talk to us then about like what was the trajectory towards thinking of like achieving things that other people hadn't actually achieved before on a prone paddleboard <laughs> because prone paddling is not very popular, none of these things had been done. So I suppose saying that it's never been done 
makes it sound like there's loads of people going on to do it, but unfortunately, it just probably hasn't been done because no one's really thought about doing it before. <laughs> Nobody's thought of it. <laughs> so in 2021, I would have circumnavigated Ackle Island. And to be honest, like kind of leveling the two up, Ackle was a far riskier paddle than the RSC. I didn't have an escort boat in Ackle. You have big remote stretches of water, huge sea cliffs, um, the Atlantic Ocean. Like you feel, you feel as small as you look when you're out there. You are very insignificant. It's not a competition. The whole thing is very much a mental challenge where you're kind of keeping yourself going, but then being very aware of the conditions, how they're changing, and what you have to do to get beyond them to keep running through. Um, but that set me up really well for the IRC then because it was. Yeah, very very solo and uh, very lonely. But there's times when you're like at the base of Ackle Head where you've a couple of hundred feet of sea cliffs above you and you might have a seal pop up and look at you and you're thinking, Jesus, I am on my own out here. Like if something happens, I'm I'm goosed. Yeah. David, talk to me about like, because I'm just listening to you talk and I'm thinking it's amazing. And I'm also thinking of all the fears. <laughs> that I would have going into something like that, especially if you're someone who has a family as well, on top of that. Do you just not have those fears going into it? Or are you someone who's like, I feel fear and I just have to conquer that fear? Or like, what happens in your mind in terms of preparation for dealing with that? Um, well, firstly, it's it's the planning. Um, so like, I wouldn't have made a move on trying to make that happen if I didn't think the conditions were good. Um, I had tried to make an, an attempt at that previously and I read the charts a bit wrong and they were some of the most hectic seas I've ever been in. Um, but like that, that was more along the lines of kind of suppressing fear and saying, right, I know I can paddle. I know where I have to get to. As long as a wave doesn't break on me, I'm, I'm good. And um, secondly is your confidence and your, your ability to be in the water. I'm I'm very comfortable in the water and um, I'm very comfortable in my physical capacity and what I can do. So when I was looking at 65K, even the 100K for the IRC, it was never a case where I was looking at it thinking, will I make it? Mm -hmm. I was up until 24 hours before the paddle across the IRC, I was out and out 100%. If I hit the water, I can go, I'll make it. Even if my body's in bits, I know I'll get through. Personally, like I don't, I don't think either of those challenges uh, would, I think they could be done by anybody for the most part. I think everybody has the capacity to do them and that you have two arms, you have two legs, you have the ability to go and train, to get comfortable on the water. And this goes for any any distance of running, um, any type of swim, any sort of Ironman, any sort of triathlon that if you put the time and effort into the training, the mental side of it comes along with that because you build up your confidence. and then. I suppose you do have to kind of have the balls to say, yeah, I'm going to back myself and I'm going to go for it and I'll make it happen. So it's uh, probably gone off with a bit of a tangent there, but yeah, it's kind no, of... No, it's good. And where, like, you're, you're, so your specific mental supports, you're talking about like listening to music, thinking about the work things you got to do. Did you pick up any sort of mental supports? Like is your, is your, your fan, obviously your dad does Ironman so you've been you've been given a template for what mental toughness is about and physical toughness as well my dad um he's my dad's mid 60s I think he's doing his 10th 9th or 10th Ironman now next weekend um 
my brother was a very good triathlete. Um, my sister is actually going out to her first half Ironman next weekend. Um, my younger sister is a very strong swimmer um, and really, really strong head and her shoulders. I don't ever get the reaction where people look at you and say, well, why would you do that? That's mental. I generally get the response where people say, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. So mm. all of a sudden now you, you don't have that seed of negativity or seed of doubt from the minute that you say something. So, uh, and I think now they know as well that there's a kind of a streak of relentlessness in me that if I see something and I want to go for it along those lines, that I will target it and kind of pursue it and make it happen. I don't know. I, I, I think personally, like the physical side of things for, for everybody is usually important. And I think it's very much underrated. I'm I'm very fortunate in that I, I haven't had any mental health struggles. Um, and that's not because I don't think that's because of I, I've avoided doing things um, or shied away from things. I think a lot of it is that kind of upbringing and the people that I'm surrounded by have kind of helped help me be the person that I am. Um, but similarly, I think challenging myself and putting challenges in front of me have developed that further. Um, and each time you do these things, um, and again, it's something that I don't, I don't really like saying, but I do think it's true. When you do something to this magnitude of this extent, um, I do think there's a part of you that's never really the same again. To come back to the crossing, yeah. which was the name that you guys gave the the challenge that you did, um, or that you were both going to do, but then just yeah. you ended up doing. What were the specific challenges physically and also mentally that you could foresee happening when you were preparing to do that? Um you're not signing up for a race where you're going to a start line. You know where your finish line is, um, but you don't know what the start date is. You don't know what the start time is. These things are all dictated by tides and weather. Um, but I think that that point between two the two crossings was, sorry, the two attempts was the most difficult part. Um, because when we had the malfunction on the boat, uh, so like devastated absolutely devastated you've you've lined up all these bits and pieces people are aware that you're going and what's going on and all of a sudden you get 7k off the irish coastline the boat tanks you're thinking gee oh. is going on here so we end up having to turn around and come back in and then at that point like i i couldn't talk i was I just felt sick and then i was sitting at home being miserable and as i write 24 hours to feel shit and feel sorry for yourself um, and once that's done you do one of two things and sorry for cursing but you shit or you get off the pot so you're kind of weighing these things up and I would have said it to Charlie and he very nicely would have said to, to go for it um, and like that I think if I was in his position I think I would have struggled with that mentally if that was if I was in his position so for him to do that, there was, uh, I think, there was incredible resilience on his behalf to, to kind of give me the leeway to go go for it. And then um, when it did come about, uh, you're back to the same issues again. I I would actively be on swell charts and weather charts, chasing swells or downwinds. Um, I got sick of it <laughs> for this thing because I was like every 10 minutes when I was in work for two weeks before, just like watching, I was like, what is it doing? And it just... It, when you get down to that detail, it's changing nonstop. And then the scramble doesn't stop. Now you have to book your ferry tickets. Then you're trying to get accommodation. 
And then we get over there. It turns out everything in Wales on a Sunday goes at four o'clock. In Hollyhead the day before, the wind was honking, absolutely blowing a gale. And just the further it got into the day that evening, it just started to calm and mellow altogether. The water started getting calm. And you start things like, well, I'd seen this on the chart. So the chart's doing what it said it was going to do. And it's just that sequence again where you're kind of working through ticking these boxes. And so tell me, I think you said, did you say it took 11 hours, the, the crossing in the end? Um, yeah, Apple was somewhere around 11 hours, I think. No, this one was just under 15 hours. And so, so how you're lying on your belly, paddling just with your hands. Yeah. How do you eat? Yeah. How does that work? Um, you, you just, you get on with it. Um, so with prone paddling, you do two things. You stay prone on your stomach or you go on both your knees and you, you kind of pull with both your hands. Um, but when you get that fatigue, like when you're paddling, your core doesn't fire as well. So when you're knee, when you're knee paddling, these boards have a really smooth rounded keel. So they, there's no hold in it. There's no bite in the water to keep you solid. So you're constantly balancing. Um, so I had, I had my meal plan, which was every, on the air every hour was going to be um, brioche with some Nutella and a chunk of banana. And my, my dad had handed that down to me, do a bottle change. And the bottle change was just water mixed with, I think it was like 75 grams of carbs. So between that, the brioche and the banana, it was bringing me up to consuming or trying to consume somewhere around 85 to 90 carbs an hour, which is, it's big. Like that's trying to consume that is pretty huge. Um, but I, like, even if I was getting 65 to 70, that was going to go a long way towards making sure I didn't get too depleted. Mm. And um, why why would you not be eating uh, good food? Good food. <laughs> <laughs> like she wants to say it, she wants to say it. So what you're trying to get in is um, really easily digestible carbs and things that are going to be so heavily loaded that your system can stay in some way topped up. Endurance races are, endurance events are literally just, uh, it's like a competition to see how well you can keep your system loaded. Sorry, so so with sorry to interrupt. Nutella and brioche and bananas, it's going to make you poo a fair bit more than like energy gels will. Did you manage? How did you manage that? Because I mean, it's sixteen hours. You're going to have there's going to be some motions. What did you do? Like, what did you do? Um. So if you were just eating that and not doing anything, that might be the case. Yeah. But because you're burning, um, I, there was no problems, and okay. fortunately, any. Again, any event that I've done, it's it's always a concern. You have to consider it. Um, but I I I didn't have to worry about it in everything. Okay. Now you look, everyone's gonna ask, like you're you're pissing yourself constantly. And like you, I'm not stopping. I'm doing it on the board and you're just going of with course. it. Uh, yeah. so um if if I had to, it would have just been you'd hang your arse over the side of the board and get on with it and just ask the guys to turn away for a couple of minutes. Um, <laughs> Having said all of that and all the practice that I had and how well it worked before, and um, the first 28K were good. At 28K, my watch goes. I have no way to pace. It just, whatever I was doing. So from about 28, 30K, I had my dad calling out my, my splits. So oh, I was no. back to my pacing. Um, then my stomach turned and was not interested in eating. Uh, so there's about 10K between... 30 and 40k where 
but Stone, like Stone just did not want anything, just wasn't interested. Even at that stage, I still didn't doubt I was going to finish it because I knew if I kept going, things would come good again. It was very unlikely that my stomach would stay that way for that long. If it did, I'd throw up or something and I'd get rid of whatever was there and then you'd mm -hmm. get on with it. Um, Your communication with the support boat, are you talking all the time? Are they giving you like, come on, Damien, like, is, it, is there a lot of that? Or is it just kind of like, do you prefer silence? Like, what did you actually want from them? Like in that way, did you want emotional support? Did you want encouragement? Or did you just like, no, this is my thing on my own? Um, it's not that you don't want it, but they over, <laughs> over, over 100K of paddling, their hands would be pretty sore if they're clapping. <laughs> yeah, and I, I get fed up with listening to it. So um, no, at the start, it's just, um, best of luck and I told them the night before I said look get me on the water and I'll I will I'll get the curse there again I'll, I'll get this done it, it was never a case that the support crew were kind of secondary to what I was doing if they weren't there I'm snookered I have no food I can't really tell where I'm going well no it's not I can't really I can't tell where I'm going I'm getting dragged left and right with the tide through the tide cycles um, so they were there was a huge effort put in by them I go through long spells of not talking to anyone just head down and just paddling and you're in a world of pain from about 50k on like you're getting really uncomfortable 65 to 70k i have to get painkillers in because my shoulders felt like they were just going to blow um your chin's getting all rubbed your jaw is sore because you rest your chin down on it on a, on a headrest your neck is in bits. You can't find a comfortable spot to kind of put your head down and take the pressure off your back. You know, all like rubs and burns under your arm, jellyfish stings up my arms. Um, it was just full on. Like you can feel the sunburn. Um, yeah, but wow. having said all that, it was it was fantastic. It was one one of the best things I've ever done. And what was the hardest thing that happened en route that you kind of didn't anticipate being hard? Um, I, I find it a difficult one to answer because there's, I think for these things, there, there's a certain level of acceptance where before you go into it, like people were saying to you, oh, you must be looking forward to it. And you're saying, look, I'm, I'm going to suffer like a dog. Like, I don't think you realize, like, I'm I'm volunteering to put myself in the pits and to run myself into the ground and to know for four to six weeks afterwards that walking up the stairs, I'm going to get out of breath. And that, it, it does, it does take that physical toll. I would say the most frustrating bit was that I got about 6K off the Greystones coast and great, off the coast of Greystones, right about on the east coast, you have a series of sand, sandbanks um, not that you could go out and walk on like these are things are fairly deep, but there's a shipping route that goes up and down the Irish Sea, and these these things move at crazy speeds. Like it's only until you're kind of beside and you realize how fast they go. And so six k out, um, all of a sudden I start uh, realizing that there's a boat there that I can't cross in front of it, and I have to sit and wait. So I'm waiting about five ten minutes, and this thing goes past. And just after it goes past, I look. I look the other way and there's another one coming from the other no. direction. So I like a, a half an hour just sitting there getting cold. And when you're sitting like that, you, you start to feel your niggles and your sores and your bumps. Um and at that rate, but at that rate, you're that close. You're like, 
you'd be fine. Um, and when I was that depleted, then I'd had, I, I wouldn't drink tea or coffee, nothing behind it. There's no health reasons. I just never got into it. Uh, but I knew that if I had Red Bull, that would blow the head off me. You feel like Popeye eating spinach. So I would have taken two cans of Red Bull in the last 10, 15 K and three energy gels. So the last five, six K was paddling really well. Um, and a lot of it, I, I knew, I, I knew my, I knew Sarah Jane was in there and I was buzzing to get back and see her. I wanted to be off the water before it got really dark. It was a stunning evening. So got back in and, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd been feeling pretty good. Um, picked the board up and I was walking up the slipway from the marina and chatting away to people. At the time I thought I was really kind of concise and talking properly. I was waffling some shite. And then I get up to the car and I put the board on top of the car and I just said to Eshley, I was like, I'm, I'm about to slump. And when you have that level of sugar intake, you just have that big crash. And I was rattling. I was sitting on the ground up against the car and I was not shivering, like properly rattling. Even up until that evening, I think I got into bed maybe 12 o'clock or something. And I was lying beside Sarah Jane and I was like, Eshley, like, I am swaying like I'm on the water still. And you don't have like a lot of time to probably reflect on it when you're in there, but like, I'm sure you would have had role models and it sounds like your dad was definitely one of them. But I guess the value for me in something like that, and the reason we wanted to have you on here is because society kind of needs role models like this, you know, and actually doing it in, in such a quiet way is very humble and, and probably a much more impactful way to be a role model of society, like to, 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 to look for and to seek achievement for self-betterment without seeking the external gratification of that. But it's a tricky thing because you also, you as a role model need to be out there telling people about this. Like I think, you know? All I ever really thought about was coming in between the two, the, the two pillars of the marina, getting through there and actually finishing and just wondering what it was going to feel like. Uh, people are kind of talking about, oh, you could kind of get onto the Guinness Book of Records. And I was like, it's, it's not about that. Like it's not... It's not about trying to do something for other people to be impressed by. It's just me doing something because I think it's an interesting way to challenge myself. However, the flip side of that is that there, there are people that aren't wired the same way that I am. And there are people that may benefit from hearing how someone who has a full-time job, a family, two kids, has to fit in training around them, not have to, but has to, but wants to because they want to be around for it. And you can still make these things work. So there's there's so much scope out there for kind of identifying a challenge. And again, everybody kind of looks to the, the big things like trying to do a marathon, trying to do an Ironman or wh whatever that big goal may be, but they don't have to be that. It's, it's just incremental. It's doing small steps to get to a point where you feel in a position to take on something of this size. And I think that's where the, the, the kind of middle ground is, is. How can you look at something? What can you take from it? And how can you use that to improve your standing, whether it's in a physical capacity, a mental capacity, short term, long term, whatever it is. And like I, me personally, I would find, as you said, the likes of what my, my, my dad's doing. My mum is doing yoga every day. He swims year round. And the two of them are incredibly active, incredibly fit. I think that's incredible to watch. Um, I think my uh, Sarah Jane carrying two children, Jesus, the, 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 the effort that women have to go to, through mm -hmm. to get to that. 
I just did 15 hours on a paddleboard. I like being on the water. Like it's not, it's not as big a deal as what, what she had to do. Um, so there's so many, I just think there's so many little things in everyday life and so many people that we come across that have inspiring or interesting stories that can motivate and in a lot of ways are a hell of a lot more relatable um, than a lot of the stuff that we see on social media. Yeah, and it's like the antithesis to the Instagram generation. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. What you're saying is so true because I think your story touches on so many things that are missing right now. Like everything in society is quick fix. It's like instant gratification, yeah. quick fix. And your story isn't like the quick, like, yeah, and then I did this, I decided to do it, and I hopped on the paddleboard, it was all super easy, and whoo, here I am, and then everyone cheered for me. It's like graft, you know, it's preparation yeah. it's planning it's studying it's knowing the roots it's like all of that kind of stuff and I think I think the younger generations when they're coming up now they expect to get to like here by just jumping straight yeah. to there without going through and what you were saying about why were you the person who was able to do it that message is so important because you weren't saying oh I'm just happened to be super strong you're like Sure. this is something I've been preparing for really since I was born and it's the templating for my parents and it's what I saw with them and it's the support systems around me and it's the starting small and taking those baby steps and I think those messages are needed like more than ever now yeah, yeah. and just and also we were we were listening to a really interesting talk the other day where they were describing resilience and they're talking about resilience is about being able to toggle constantly between that which daunts you and a moment of calm and then that which don't see in a moment of calm and it's it's being able to toggle between those two mm. things and and that's what you're saying it's like if you are able-bodied enough to be able to challenge yourself challenge yourself see how it goes but then also know that there has to be that flip side of that balance backwards mm. and forwards and I think it's it's so nice to hear your story and really thank you so much for coming to talk to us well that, thanks for having me it's really nice to talk about it um and particularly from that point of view I like I said I hadn't I hadn't really considered many aspects of this and just following on from what you were saying, one thing I think is really interesting with all this stuff is that if you look at a marathon or an Ironman, the best selling point of those is the finish line because people see you complete and think, geez, look at him. They look so happy. He was brilliant. People don't see the work that went into what went on prior to that. And there's no amount of kind of posts or photos or anything that can properly portray these things. So I think, yeah, these types of conversations, I think it's great to, to have and maybe just bring bring awareness to how you can go about things in a very, in what I think is a manageable way. I'm not, I'm not saying that everybody else should go out and try and do this type of thing, but I think just getting out, challenging yourself small and then building up and maybe if you have a long-term goal in mind, um, there's plenty of resources out there, there's plenty of ways of achieving it. Um, and if this helps people in some way, that that'd be great as well. So thanks for giving me the platform to talk about it. It's great. My pleasure. And nice you fun. told me just before we started that you've set up a new Instagram page. Um, and you have <laughs> yeah, Instagram. <laughs> reluctantly set up a new Instagram page and you are going to be potentially doing some lessons and stuff in the future. Do you want to just talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so it's it, the, the whole idea is just based around trying to bring a bit of awareness uh, about uh, the water and what's going on, particularly more so as it pertains to the Greystones coastline. Um, so it's called At, At Flow State Swimming. Um, and the idea being that it could be anyone that's going for a dip up to doing a distance swim and just trying to tell people what the tides are um, what the conditions might be for the week and um, maybe what they should or, should, should or shouldn't avoid. 
Um, and I'm hoping that maybe by next summer we'll be able to engage with giving people some open water lessons uh, and they get kind of bring it bring a full circle. So I probably sound like I've completely contradicted myself there by being by, by being on that on that platform, but there we go. No, it's nice, but just you learned the lessons of uh, actually I have something really vital to offer here and here are the holes that don't exist in the market right now and what can I do to get back from this experience and what have I learned yeah. from it and mm. absolutely this is the best way to do that and it'd be so nice to see well it's my community so I'm behind yeah, it. I love it but it's so nice to see those things be there and I hope my son joins in those kinds of things when he's older too for sure so now we have to say thank you absolutely and thank you to the sponsors so uh thanks so much Damon, for the, and, and thank you all guys for watching and listening and thanks briefly to our sponsors clear light saunas uh infrared light which you get doses of and maybe Damon had a little bit too much when he was out in the water that time <laughs> but infrared is one of those healing lights not that uva stuff that gives you uh the awful bad burns but it's the way to help to reduce inflammation improve recovery the sort of thing that i don't know if Damien is engaged in but it's certainly something that we rely on heavily and we recommend a lot so if you come to us we've got a uh, clear light have got their new aurora light out which is like a mobile personal um low emf uh, infrared full spectrum infrared lamp so that's something to get hold of uh, if you come to us and get you'll get the codes in the show notes below and also thanks to our sponsors ourselves because we have our gorgeous merch our organic cotton wandering into wellness merch which i have i'm not wearing this evening this, this afternoon because it's actually unseasonably mild weather please come to the wandering into wellness project.com and find some of it there and help to support this work that we're doing and help to get great people like damien on our podcast yeah thank you so much and we'll see you all again soon absolutely bye 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 thank you very much <laughs>